Welcome to Bottomless Rugby, the home of boys, brews, and sports balls. This is the main event hosted by Dr. Doom and Kaya. We touch on the hot topic of the week, hear from the man on the street, and pick a boykey of the week. If you are a new listener, welcome to the Bottomless Rugby Network with multiple podcasts released every week. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services. Let's get into it. Kaya, my man, let's have a quick check in on this past weekend's rugby matches. Uh, what was your general thought about week one of Super Rugby Australia? Um, not, I don't watch too much of it. Um, as the problem is, the Super Rugby Australia games play when I should be working, and if I watch them in the background, I'll put my laptop down and start sleeping. So it was. Um, I watched a little bit of the action. As you, nothing really surprised me, to be honest. Like the results I saw coming, I did expect a bigger win from the Brumbies, but it's pretty predictable who's going to win. It's basically the Brumbies is to lose. Basically, they'd have to mess up massively. Oh, yeah. The weird thing is the high scores don't hide the poor quality. I'm 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 with you there. I I thought it was okay. The main takeaway for me from you know Super Rugby Australia is those law variations. I must say, I find them interesting. I think they are good. I actually, I really like the idea of the 50-22 and the 22-50 law variations um, because, I mean, yeah. it actually rewards good kicking and it does force the defending team to keep a couple of players back deep, um, you know, which if you were to choose, you know, to attack the width, then, then there might be a bit of space out there. So I kind of liked it. The goal line kicking was also interesting to see. Um, so yeah. so it had that that freshness to it, which I thought was nice. Like Reds, Waratahs. Yeah, I mean, it was an okay game. Some cool stuff did happen. Um, you know, it's exciting enough. I, I like to watch a rugby game on a Friday, so I, I really enjoyed watching the game. Um, I must I say, did I was not... surprised by O'Connor. Yeah, a solid game. Yeah. Um, no. I, 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 think, I don't think he's a I think him and he gets the job done you know so but i think him and tate mcdermott is quite an interesting combination um and talk around the town is like um, what would a combination of tate mcdermott and uh, noel alessio look like for the wallabies you know maybe they're stumbling onto something completely by mistake like (laughs) i feel like the brumbies are about to like australia is about to stumble onto their best flower half for like the next five to ten years by mistake (laughs) He was not even a fly off when the CEO began. And they've I think suddenly found fantastic. him. I think it's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. I'm stoked for Alessio. Like that is probably the best way you can oh. come onto the scene unexpectedly. No one knows what's up and you rock up, you know. Um yeah, he had I had a not... massive break this weekend. Oh yeah, for sure. I didn't I did not get to watch the Brumbies Rebels game. Um I was tutoring a student at that time, so yeah, I did miss it. I watched the highlights, looked really good, so fantastic. But let's quickly jump over to the Highlanders, uh Crusaders, and then the Chiefs, Hurricanes. Um yeah, so Super Rugby New Zealand. Oh, the game of beer. The game of beer. Uh yeah, you owe me some lagers. <laughs> I told you, Kaya. I told you. Sorry. We will go to Preston's at a socially distant yes. distance. <laughs> and then I will 
buy them, leave them on your car, and then you come out <laughs> and get them. I will give you the time and location for the meet, for the drop-off, you know. <laughs> I must say, Will Jordan saved me there. We'll see if we can video right? the drop-off. I mean, Will Jordan came through yeah. for me at the end um, because I had the audacity to say, yeah, first it was two tries. I was like, no, it'll be a bonus point try. And at the end, I was thinking, oh, okay, like it's close. Am, am I going to get these two loggers or not? And then Will Jordan came through for me right at the end. So I was very, very happy about that. <laughs> oh, my. Talk about Will Jordan, bro. Yeah. That guy is... I feel like this is the worst season for Mackenzie to be having a bad season. No, I think it's all right. Or like an average season. Because because now that Jordan's coming, the heat is on everyone again. I actually think this is like... And I think that's all... The best time not to have a great season. You can put it down to so many other factors, you know, be like, this affected me, that affected me, which players are having to deal with. This is not normal circumstances, you know. Um, but I do see your point, you know. You know, Given all these circumstances, Jordan is absolutely shining and Damien McKenzie is not looking so good. Yeah. So I, I am with you there. But onto that Chiefs-Hurricanes game. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Warren Gatlin's team lost again. Um, not good times there in the Chiefs. Not what do you think is going on there? I think his system is just not, not working. The players aren't catching it. I think it's one of those where, and this is the, the the hallmarks of good coach. I think you need to understand. You either there's two options when you coach. You either force a system on a team, or you accept this what they have and work with that. I think he tried to put a system on them that's not working with those players, because if you look at like the makeup of the Welsh team and you look at the makeup of the Chiefs team. It's quite different. And I think he's trying to put a system on the days guys just can't play in. So the options are he's either going to drag it out for as long as possible and try to build again for next year and then start trying to replace to put players that he likes with his style. Or he's got to like play Chiefs rugby. I think. Because that's all he's doing. I mean, it is clear that the skill sets, you know, from the New Zealand players and the Welsh players are completely different. So I don't, I'm with you where I think that the system that, you know, Gatland is used to and trying to implement maybe doesn't suit the player's um, skill set as well. And I think he will have to adapt. Um, the only strange thing is that before COVID and the lockdown, they looked good. And now they don't. Like that is, that is the one aspect where I'm thinking to myself, okay, what happened? Um, which doesn't make sense because... You guys were doing well, and now you don't. So, so what went wrong? What is not working? You know, um, something, something just doesn't seem right over there. And whether it's like an actual coaching thing, you know, with a different style that is implementing not working, or whether something happened during the lockdown period that we don't know of, and you know, the players just aren't really feeling it as much. I don't know. But I'm quite curious to see what is going to happen next because they've essentially lost against, but they've lost four now. So they lost against every single New Zealand franchise. Yep. They've yeah. The, what are they, what are they called? The Grand Slam of Hustles. <laughs> Warren Gatland, Grand Slam winner. <laughs> Grand Slam of losses. Yes. Oh, he's... Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit bummed. At this rate, I, I'm still. Co- if he carries on coaching this way, I'm so happy for next year's British and Irish Lions. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I know. 
like that Gatlin system just seems to work with Northern Hemisphere players. So I, I wouldn't go that far. Hmm. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, I'm bad. Rusty's been planning for this for two years. He's, yeah, I know. He's, he's ready. We're ready. We're ready. But on 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 the Rusty note, I think let's let's leave uh, the check in for the weekend there, and we're gonna move over to a very very special Boyki of the week. So this week's Boyki of the week is it wasn't even chosen by us. It's like World Rugby just decided for us and. We are not complaining about this at all. We agree 100. Yeah. The Boyki of the week. You can probably put it down to the Boyki of the last two years. You know, if you want to take 2019 and this year. Yeah. And that Boyki is none other than inspirational captain Sia Kulisi. Uh, he topped uh, rugby's list of the most influential people in rugby in their latest issue of uh, their magazine. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Congratulations to him. And it's 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 credit yeah. for for all the hard work that he was putting in outside of the rugby field, and this is something that we spoke about in one of the earlier podcasts. You know, like um, something that has made him special yeah. is that you know he's not very he's not just active within the rugby field and outside the rugby field within the rugby sphere, but he's gone outside of that and he's doing everything that he can to make a difference to other people's lives. Yeah, I think. He works a lot with different community foundations within PE. Even if he was in PE, handing out PPE equipment. Same in Cape Town. He was handing out a lot of PPE equipment and delivering food parcels. And not just delivering food parcels, sitting down and having meals with people within extremely poor contexts. So he understands the Spain. I mean, he's come from one of the poorest places here in PE. And he's not forgotten where he's come from. He hasn't suddenly become, oh, i got money now. I don't talk to people. He's looked after... His little brothers, he's adopted them. So he's just like a phenomenal person. And we often forget he's only 29. He's 29. He's no. your age, Kyle. He's... I'm older than him. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you know? Um, he was in school the year after us. But he's done so much in the 11 years after that. He's really gone to new heights. And I think he's after his career ends, he's got a lot of opportunities that I think will open Look. up for him. And he's signed by Rock Nation, oh, so he's oh, friends with Jay Z. He's met Jay Z. He's possibly met Beyonce. Of Come course on. he has. I'm sure he has. I mean, he, he, they did take him over there. He was invited to watch. Yeah, he went to a New York Knicks game with Jay Z. So I'm sure I'm he sure. met Beyonce. So like, look at this. That is influence. Who right. no one's anywhere. No one's that, near there. There should there should be number one a gap, and then a massive gap. Number you two. know what they should have done in the magazine? They should have had him on like. Um, you know, that section, they have him like number one and then leave like five blank pages to get to number yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> that is how influential it is. But I want to get onto, onto this point. Um, so he has this international influence and I kind of want to pick it a bit apart of like, where do you think this international influence came from? Because, you know, apart from the really great things that he's been doing in South Africa, uh, particularly now during the lockdown, I can't really see that having played such a massive factor, um, you know, for this list that they put together. Uh, because, I mean, like, particularly like the, the recent stuff you've done, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure, you know, they've been working on this list for a while. So I'm I'm thinking within the international context, like, what do you think, you know, is it about him that suddenly got him this influence? Do you think it's, um, you know, his story? 
you know, because we, we know that these sorts of stories, you know, of, of someone that comes from, um, you know, particular circumstances where they didn't have a lot of opportunity and they break out of that and then they go blossom, you know, into, you know, fantastic career. Like we know these stories resonate with people. Do you think that that was like the main reason why he did get this respect? Because if you know the story, you know that this is someone that overcame immense odds, you know? I think that's part of it. But I think also other players generally like him. Very affable person, uh, likable, and people love being around him. So I think he's been able to build around the world, going to the different awards. So, But the biggest thing was becoming the first proper full-time black captain. That was partially made like the major diff thing that made him stand out. Yes, he's a World Cup player and would have been in the World Cup team. But I think him leading and his captaincy has made a do massive Do you think... Because that's the yeah. biggest... Um, biggest on, on that, do you think um, us winning the World Cup and him lifting that trophy uh, is, is part of that? Like, do you think he would still be number one yeah. if we did not win the World Cup? I don't think so. I think the World Cup was vital to that influence. Because afterwards, he's then gone on like other sports. So when he went to the, if he hadn't won the World Cup, he wouldn't have gone and spoken at the Laurie Sports Awards, you know. And part of what has helped is that we had a ter- truly terrible 2017 yeah. as a rugby nation <laughs> that helped, you know, that's the other part of the narrative, a team that went from the bottom to the top within a short period. Yeah, I think that is an important factor, you know, because essentially it was like Rossi came in and Rossi was like, listen, this is this is this is our captain. He's gonna be, you know, steering the ship. Um, yeah. And like I say, yeah, we came from a poor spot. We went all the way to go and won the World Cup. I mean, it's it's like you say sometimes, like some of these things, you just you can't script it better, and then it unfolds. And it's the yeah. real beauty of sport is that you you can't predict these things. They just tend to happen naturally. Yeah. And I think part of that is a big reason why. You know, we got the respect because everyone knew the Springboks were not in a good position. Now we come back and we go and win the World Cup. Yeah. And it's like, this is the man that led them, you know. Um, and then they get to know him. Yeah. My only big fear, I think my only big fear with him is that they're going to they're gonna choose the wrong American actor to play him in the movie. Who do, who do you think should play him? We're going to have to be dealing with a weird like, Who do you think should play him? At the moment, there's not... The problem is his height. So, like, most actors are like little short guys. That's the issue with Matt Damon. They use <laughs> so, like, finding a proper. You can use the camera angles to make him look taller, you know? Like, that happens. <laughs> I mean, there would have to be a, a proper South African actor because otherwise, accents will be. I feel bad. that. Um, if, but, like. If, I mean, let's be honest. Sia will get a movie one day. It's it's going to happen. Like, yeah. I have zero doubt. This. And, and I mean, even even this World Cup story. You know, like they did with Invictus, like like this World Cup is is movie worthy. Like definitely is movie worthy. Yeah. Um I'm with you. I th- I think if so if, if yeah. a movie like that is gonna come, uh, a movie about Sia, I think it should be completely locally produced, acted, you know, as much as possible. You could you can maybe yeah. tap into like some, you know, Hollywood company that is like really good with effects, but I think like you you know, you can maybe get like a couple of consultants in, you know, but I think beyond that, you know, you keep it local, you keep it fresh. And if we've seen in recent years, like yeah. you'll know, um, so the African, you know, media has grown a lot and we're doing some good stuff. 
you can mm. even see some of the things that has been locally produced on Netflix there, and it's good. Like production quality is great. So yeah. I think if we're gonna do this, uh, it has to be, you know, a local production. And I think it, like, it has yeah. all the elements to do well, you know, in that regard as well. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep working out so I can either play Beast or Trevor Nyakan in that movie. <laughs> if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play Trevor, you're gonna spend most of the time at home because he didn't go and play the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> the movie ends that quick scene comes on oh, you're just going to come back at the end to fetch your medal <laughs> like 15 15 seconds that's all that's my all you get. go for Beast man I mean he plays for, for your favorite team as well I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd go for Beast oh and then like because I can't play the other guys like if I had to try to be Amor or my Bibi and they have to like, try to make the speed look like right, it's almost anywhere near that. it'll look terrible but, like <laughs> Have to speed up the camera work. Have like <laughs> that would be that would be a masterclass in camera work. Uh, I, I don't I don't know who oh, I right. would play. Um, I don't think I look like any of the guys. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it. Maybe France Malherbe at the oh, moment. Please. I think I yeah, think no, I could pull off France Malherbe at this point in time. I can't do lock anymore. I'm too fat for that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on. Uh, from a boyki once again, Sia Kulisi, my man. Uh, loads of respect from us. Congratulations on this. Uh, keep up doing the good work. You are now in our Boyki 15, our squad. squad. Yeah, so we have our Boyki squad. We did have an open slot for you. And uh, I mean, being the most influential person in rugby also means that you, by definition, have to get the captaincy. So, captain, yep. our captain. You are there. Yeah. Awesome, awesome stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. We fully support you, and we hope that in future we can do some work with you together. On that, let's move over to our hot topic of the week. All righty, so this is a topic that um, we don't really want to talk about. We don't want to see this stuff, but you know, it's been happening and within the South African context, it's been happening a bit more frequent, frequently than we would like to see. And this is doping. So mm -hmm. this week uh, we got news that Chili Boy Ralapele got given an eight year ban for um, testing positive um, earlier this year. I think they took the samples in January. And it came back now where they had a verdict and they're giving him an eight-year ban. So this is kind of the end of Chili Boy Rolapele's career. You know, like eight years is, yeah. I mean, he's 32, he's 30-something 30 now. So it's, it's basically done for him. Um, quick thoughts on this, Kyle. Yeah. So when, when this news dropped that he got eight-year banned, what went through your mind? And was somebody, I think, dropped it on the group. And now you, like, open up a WhatsApp group, look in there, I'm like, not again. <laughs> and I was like, so I, I, we played touch with one of his schoolmates, uh, Steve, who played in the first team with him. And I'd, we'd spoken with him long the, the second time around when the charges came up in 2014. And he had spoken personally to Chilibor, and Chilibor was animate about the fact that he didn't do it. And one of the things about doping is, A, intention to dope, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The fact that it's in your yeah. blood is what matters. Um, and so... Yo, my thing is like how I understand the first time because you know, 
you could have made a mistake taking the wrong supplement. And in fact, the first time, a lot of the, the supplement was issued that the yeah. entire team was taking. Yeah. But the second, third time, you must be aware of what's in all your supplements. Make sure you check them beforehand. Because that test doesn't come from like a once-off thing. It comes from continuous use. Yeah. See, the, tw- the 2010 one, so, the first yeah, time, I- I'm with you. Um, and, and rightly so. Like, he didn't really know. And they were acquitted of it. Um, you know, didn't need to serve a ban or anything. Second time, 2014. Yeah. Like, yeah. all right, this was a legitimate one. You tested positive. Um, right. You take a two-year ban. Um, the strange thing about this time, though, yeah. is that they did give him an eight-year ban, which when I went to go read up a little bit, um, they were saying that normally it's um, if it's a repeated offense, it's double the sentence of what it was before. So how you get from two yeah. to eight years, I do have some question marks over. Um, that seems a little bit weird. Um, yeah. It would seem that he would need to take a four-year ban. And, I mean, it's only only one substance. It's not like a peewee where this is like a cocktail, you know. Um, so, so Apiwe was out having a great time drinking cocktails left, right, and center. So you can kind of understand why he would get a four-year ban. You know, like like it just seemed like he was going all out. Yeah. Um, but for Chili Boy, yeah, I, I do I do think it's a little bit strange that they gave him eight years. But I initially also thought I'm like, oh, like this yeah. is not good. Look, it's not good for his his legacy, and it really it's not good for the image that has been formed about um, South African rugby and uh, steroid news, you know? Yeah. And I kind of want to get into a little bit of that because um, apart from Chili Boy's case itself, where they are going to argue it and there does seem to be some, um, you know, a couple of, yeah, some, some irregularities, like the guy was keeping some of the samples in his fridge, which I do think is strange. That's shocking. It's shocking. Even if you're going to save costs, like, no, this is not something that needs to come down to costs. Um, that, that is not how you're going yeah. to save costs because it, it does compromise the integrity of your system that has been put into place to ensure that that protocol is being followed correctly. Mm. So that is not acceptable for God to keep stuff in its reach. And there's also a 12 hour period that the sample cannot be accounted for. So yeah, that is suspicious, and yeah. obviously they need to, you know, get get answers on this, and either get the sentence reduced, or if there was some foul play, they need to sort it out. But Chili Boy did speak about some things that I thought was quite interesting, and obviously, you know, when this came out, uh, like Rugby Three Six Five also dropped a little article about um, high-profile doping cases in like from South African players. Um, and if you just go look into Google a little bit, you can easily find some articles where this has been featuring quite recently about steroids used in South Africa and particularly in school boys. And yeah. I want to get into this um, because Chili Boy did say something interesting. We were saying that um, transformation failed the test. Uh, the system failed black players. And it was specifically speaking about the pressure on black players to make it, you know, like against all odds to make it into the spring box and how this is a factor that can, you know, contribute towards players going to take uh, yeah. steroids. Yeah. I think that's, there's a part of that that can be true in terms of there's a lot of pressure on, on black players, particularly within the African context, because often they've been questioned as to why they're in the team. And there's often many, and also like the realities of like, 
how Ripley's set up is that it's completely different from how most black people grew up in South Africa. And the cultural rugby is still culturally white within the South African context in terms of who runs it. And so for a lot of players suddenly going from from a township to from maybe a suburban some guy's suburban context and you suddenly go into a rugby environment, it's a huge change. And often, unfortunately thanks to many uh, being way there's a lot of racist coaches that are there. You as a black player have less chance for failure than another player. And so I think that does put pressure on you to do stuff. But ultimately, the choice to make to go doping is a choice. Yeah. So yeah. there are realities that are true. And I do agree with the statement itself. But like I think to say that it's exactly what made you dope, no, you had the choice of it at the end of the day. Yeah, the the one counter argument I would give for the point that he made here, like I, I do generally agree with the statement that he made, but it does seem a little odd to me that he would say this now, um, but also like all his doping cases were involved with him already being, you know, professional rugby player. Um, so that is the only strange thing with this. I'm like, all right, Bru, like I hear you, I agree with you, but you still went on and you, you know, tested positive for things as a professional. Apiwe Danchi, yeah. breakthrough play of the year, goes on to test positive. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think, is the real issue in in this regard. Like, as a professional, no. Like, you sure. should really not go and test positive. Like, you shouldn't. Like, you know what you sign up for as a professional. And And the thing is also, like, you're a professional now. You've made it. You're in the system. And like, like we've spoken to Simon before, once you get into the system, the rugby system, it's kind of difficult to get back out of it, you know? So yeah. I get his point. Um, and his point basically would mean that, all right, we would expect to see um, a lot more youngsters at school level, you know, going to take steroids to try and make it. Because if you can get into Craven Week, you've yeah. kind of made it. Like getting into Craven Week, could essentially mean you can get a contract leaving school. I think most of those players, if not all of them, are involved in some sort of a contract um, after their schooling careers. So I'm with you. And and like quite interesting. So I went to go look a little bit at some of the stuff. And there was like a UK study that found within the UK, uh, rugby union was the sport where UK yeah. athletes were currently serving the most uh, bans for doping. Uh, second was rugby league, mm-hmm. so it's it's not a good look. Uh, so so rugby union was like double that of rugby league, and rugby league was like double that of the next one, which is boxing. And then it kind of like you know goes down a little bit. So rugby as a whole doesn't have a good image when it comes to uh, doping yeah. violations, eh? Yeah, I think as a whole the sport there seems to be a lot of pressure or a lot of things happening in the background that are trying to beat the system half the time. Um, me, which, me... is, which is strange for me because well, if this is a big culture issue, then it needs to be addressed firmly by World Rugby, which they clearly are not. Or maybe there's not. Was it wider needs to step in more? Yes, yes, something I'm thinking about right now. Um, I think it would be interesting to go and see if there's a correlation between um, steroid, steroid use or... Um, Dope, uh, doping violations and the number of matches or game time players have been playing every year. So we know like rugby players are playing more rugby. And I am wondering if yeah. 
some of the guys are turning towards um, steroids to aid their recovery with having to play um, so many minutes and so forth, and that this is maybe not what is driving it within the professional setup. But not even like, the professional setup. Like rugby is a different problem in high school. Yeah, There's, but I think I think the so high school as a whole sport. Yeah, but I think more the high school within. I mean, let's okay, let's talk about the high school thing within the South African context. We can't speak for for other countries. Um, so for us, I think we do have a problem that high school rugby has kind of become too professional. I mean, it's it's it is semi professional, but it's almost professional within the big rugby school. No, it's professional. I think we, if we're right? being honest, it is professional. Like yeah, yeah, Parents within are the top schools. Right, parents are getting yeah. offers. There's so much pressure on the kids to make a first side and to try and get into Craven Week. And you know, at that age, if you get the benefit of taking a steroid, you know, it, it makes a massive difference at that age. Um, for the big, for the big professional guys that are already big, I don't think a steroid would make as significant difference as it would for a youngster that's still growing and suddenly they get to put on five to ten extra kgs than they normally would you know in a single off season that is huge mm. right so i do think that that is a bit of an issue and maybe it's the way how everything sort of builds up towards making the craven week that is putting pressure on the lighties um do you think that could maybe be a big factor in in why the kids are taking it it could be a big factor and it could be why i mean you're trying to trying to make a pro but the thing is you know you can get caught and i think number one the education from sorry side are they educating players on like the long-term effects of what happens to steroids mm. because it's, it may sound good to do it today but you understand what it's going to do to your body long term and also like with a lot of it then needs to be dealt with from the parents side because often parents are aware that their kids are doping just due to the cost of it yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I've also been reading in this little article that came out um, where some of the parents actually go and do this because let, let's put it this way, right? So the parent might be like, "All right, kid, I'll I'll get you some steroids. I'll help you out with that," because that kid might go get a contract at a big prominent school, and like we know, some of these bursaries are ridiculous uh, to the point where yeah. the parents even get something, which is just it shouldn't be like that. Um, so you can already see like it can justify doing it just off of that. And if you know, if your kid gets yeah. into Craven week and he picks up a contract, he's set. So if you look at it purely from that angle, you can understand the logic of why they're going to do this. Um, it's yeah. not, it's not right. I feel that at school level, you know, it should mainly be because it's fun or so on. Um, but the parents are a big problem in this and they, they should be held accountable in some ways because um, some actually just straight up, they will inject their players. There's a little article here about, um, you know, Craven Week where one player was like talking about, um, he said that his parents had only injected him once, right? But the dude like months later yeah. at Craven Week still tested positive and the vial was still in their fridge. <laughs> so like you can't you yeah. can't do that. And and the parents like I feel that some action needs to be taken taken there as well, particularly if, if they find out that okay, the parents were like knowingly involved in this. 
because uh, that is not yeah. acceptable absolutely not acceptable and what is interesting is so in 2014 they did a survey of more than 12,000 boys in 23 rugby playing schools in KZN which revealed that almost a tenth of 18 year old boys had tried steroids do you think that is that is a big yeah. number 10 percent yeah that is I mean it's massive I mean like here's the other part of it and this might be for people that aren't in South Africa South Africa is not a wealthy country so the cost of doing steroids is pretty high. So to at least 10% of people to be doing it is pretty intense and like well-coordinated. Well, And I assume well, in some cases, some schools will have to be involved well, in. Hold on, like, because... Kaya, what is the cost of steroids? Well, I've known for some times you have to get like 3,000 rand for some shots. No, well, no, I mean, it depends what you're going to get. Like, um, trust me, you can oh, get experts about to come out. <laughs> you can you can get stuff for way cheaper. If 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 you're talking thousands, you you're talking probably you know things like growth hormone, um, some of the hectic, hectic injectables and so forth. If you're gonna put a kit together, um, then yeah, you can you can get a lot of money going into that for like a single um, course, you know. But it can be done. Uh, some some of the tablets and things can be obtained for not too expensive um, because there are. Think about it this way: it's it's actually for for the people producing the stuff. If you want to look at it, because it's it's not legal, so it is like producing it is is essentially a criminal thing. If you look at the risk reward for the people that produce these things, um, it's safer to produce than, for example, hard drugs. Um, and it's somewhat cheaper. Like you can get some of the stuff to make make it um, quite easily. So, like the market is there, and they obviously would need to figure it out and to make it somewhat affordable for kids to do, even for kids where their parents don't know where the kid can kind of save up a bit on, like let's say, some some spending money or so forth, and go and acquire it themselves. And it is very easy for a kid to go and get steroids without their parents knowing. That is a fact. That is That's an absolute fact. For a kid to be doing. That means somebody has to be organizing for them. Dude, it's actually not, not that difficult. Man, I have, I'm aware of a package that had been delivered to the reception of a school. <laughs> like, and the kids <laughs> just... We mention the school because it's pretty obvious. Right? <laughs> right? I'm just saying, like, it can be done, and you will be amazed at, you know, the way that they go about it. Like, it is, honestly, it is not, if you want to get something this day and age, it's not difficult. You can connect with yeah. anyone, and you can make a plan to get something that easy. Oh, look at you, Derpa. So it is. It, it, it is. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to flex too much, you know. So, <laughs> sure, I think yeah, if if tests if tests were done properly at rugby players, I think we'd have a huge shock because I think there's a I'm, lot more players. I'm with you been, there that have that have been doing it, and we just aren't catching them. Right, I, I'm with you there. Um, so, so for example. Um, they have been testing at Craven Week since 2010, right? And they do about 150 tests during the tournament. Now, 150 tests is nothing 
right? Because we're looking at what, how many teams, because you have the Craven week and then you have um, the Academy week, which is, you know, for the under 18s, you know, all happening at once. Um, and then at under 16, you have Grand Coma week, which they probably should test there as well. Um, Cause that is probably where some of it starts. Um, Right, 150 tests is not a lot. I feel that every single kid who goes to play Craven Week needs to be tested. If if you if you're gonna do a testing yeah. program properly, and you want you want to weed it out, you go and test them. Obviously, they do educational stuff at Craven Week and so forth. The boys have to go through, um, you know, learning about it and and whatever. So that yeah. part is good. But I think you need to at least everyone gets tested. No ifs or buts. You know, if you if you refuse to be tested, you're not going to be selected. I think you can easily implement yeah. a policy like that that is justified to implement. Because the big issue with the testing is they say they don't currently have the authority to go and test school schoolboys. But because Craven Week is run by Saru, they now have the authority to go and test at Craven Week, right? Yeah. Um, so they are working with the program where with schools they're asking the schools to like willingly be a part of the program and um work out a plan that they can come test the boys i think that's good i think they should consider something like you know um like they do with products that get sold in the shop where they'll put put it on the label like you know this product is gmo free for example you know something like that where they could implement a system or program where if the school signs on um, the school now gets to say like, "Hey, we like a, a willing participant of this study, you know, uh, of of this program. We say no to doping yeah. in 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 schools. You know, we promote a doping-free environment. Wada wada wada." And they then negotiate collectively with the parents, saying like, "Listen, our top rugby rugby boys at at our school, we want them to be tested. This is the benefit for your son." And for you as parents to know that, you know, we are doing what we can to, um, you know, keep this outside of the school, you know, type of thing. I think that that needs mm. to happen, eh? I think that does. You see a much more comprehensive way of doing it. And what uh, whatever said, I cannot keep playing around. <laughs> they, they have to work within there. And I think, yeah, I said, it could, they have to do that at, Craven Week next year, instead of like two players at random. Yeah, I think everyone, the first day you get there, all right, everyone, you're going to take a piss. Come. Like, that's it. Like, no questions asked. Every single player in the squad needs to be tested, in my view, at Craven Week. Like, if you want to be serious about this, they have to, they have to figure that out. Even if you don't test the boys, like, outside of Craven Week, you know, because it's quite difficult. They do taste some, but it's difficult. I think they need to go all in on the Craven Week at least because every year they do find some, but they're only testing yeah. 150. Who falls through the cracks? Mm. You know? I think yeah. we we know payers that have fell through the cracks. So we've survived. And well, there's always like <laughs> the tactic, what I call the tactical injury. Where you you get your Craven Week thing, you can officially say you're caught up by Craven Week, and then you get injured, <laughs> and that's been that's where a lot of other players have been like they've always suspected when suddenly a player gets injured out of nowhere, but then you see them play the first game after Craven Week, you're like, hmm, what happened here? 
yeah yeah i'm with you so, i do think the tactical the tactical injury is is a potential loophole i i personally um, i mean I, I can't think of anyone that necessarily did that uh, i will admit i mean i saw this stuff go down at school um and we know of many schools where this does go down or did go down during our time um but fortunately you know those that i knew of like they weren't playing rugby um th these were guys that had like catastrophic injuries and they then decided you know what um my, my rugby playing days are through and they decided to go do things like a bit of bodybuilding or whatever now as an individual i honestly you know don't have an issue with people doing that sort of stuff for their own you know so long as they're not competing in professional sport personally i don't have an issue with that but yeah i mean if it's school kids doing this like having learned more and knowing more than i did at the time yeah uh completely if you're still at school like just chill like yeah. don't do this it really does affect your development like just wait a couple of years till you're out of school and you can go do what you want you know that's yeah. that's that's basically where i'll leave it you know just be smart guys like like to all to all the youngsters out there um this is this is a long race you're playing with rugby it's not a sprint eh it is not a sprint there's there's francois low never played craven week you know became a prominent springbok with over 50 caps can be done so yeah guys don't don't be stupid all right all right on that note let's move on and let's take a quick tap and look at the upcoming games of this weekend all right kaya so we have you know round two of super rugby australia and we're going to have what round five of super rugby new zealand uh, so Friday, we have the yeah. Rebels versus the Reds at AAMI Park in Melbourne. That's an 11 o'clock in the morning kickoff. Uh, how do you see that one going, Rebels-Reds? Rebels. Yeah, I'm with you. Rebels. That should be a Rebels win. Yeah. Rebels. I'm, I'm going for the home team unless it's uh, the Brumbies uh, approach for Super Rugby Australia. Yeah. All right, Saturday, uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, probably the game of the weekend. We have the Crusaders versus Blues at Orange Theory Stadium, Christchurch. Is this going to be the return of Dan Carter? Yes or no? Hopefully. He played a game um, last weekend. Uh, which, So I think that that's what they're priming him for. I and, think we will yeah. see Dan Carter, but off the bench. You're not going to see him starting. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think he'll start. Yeah. All right. Which should be 11... such a weird game for him. It's it's going to be so weird. It's going to be so weird. Uh, 100%, you know, going to play against this old team. Oh, you didn't pick a... I'm not picking any winners in that game. That game's going to be very tight, in my view. Dude, Crusaders. I'm, tell, I'm telling you. I'm not you. going to say anything because... <laughs> you, want to, you want to lose some loggers? You want to put a logger on that? Nah, bro. I'm not I'm 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 betting on this game. This game huh? is going to be very tight, in my view. I could even go That's for That's exactly draw. why we should bet. <laughs> nah, that's exactly why that. <laughs> nope, you decided nope, nope, last nope. week to bet on a sure thing that didn't work out <laughs> like come on man <laughs> you knew that the crusaders were this game's win. too tight <laughs> all right 
so we'll we'll just leave it there kai with um you know no sports balls um <laughs> does, doesn't want to take the bet but okay we'll move on uh 11 o'clock on saturday 11 15 kickoff we have the waratahs versus the western force um Right, the venue hasn't been confirmed. I haven't checked since yesterday if they have updated that. Because of some um, regulations. Yeah. So on that, um, what do you expect to do? Do you think the force is gonna, you know, compete at this level again? I have no idea who's even in their team. So, <laughs> like, uh, I'm gonna go Tars, but I have a feeling the force might be able to sneak it in. I mean, they've, I don't know what what they've been doing this year actually. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what they like, have to offer, yeah. but I'm curious. Um, the one thing I will say is the Waratahs actually looked pretty poor. Um, so I, th- I think I think I think the Force has a chance, but I don't know what they have to offer. So we'll have to see. Um, Sunday morning, uh, 5:35 in the morning, kickoff here in SA. We have the Hurricanes versus the Highlanders. That's going to be at Sky Stadium, Wellington. Uh, how do you see this one go, Kaya? Um, I actually think the Highlanders might take this one. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go again. Okay. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go against to the... the home team on this one. You gotta go against the home team on the, on that one. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I am going Hurricanes. Um, definitely, like. You know, the last three years, stats show me that generally the Hurricanes perform pretty well at home against other New Zealand teams. So I'm I'm going Hurricanes. Um, yeah, I don't okay. I don't Confident. see the highlights. Yeah, I'm. You want to put a log on it, huh? You want to put a log on it? Nah, bro. <laughs> well, you're, you're trying to get your six pack, huh? yeah? Are you hurt? Huh? Are you hurt from this last weekend? <laughs> Now, a man, a man understands his limits, and you must stop. When remember, people, when it comes to gambling, just stop. <laughs> no means no. No way you want a lot. <laughs> yes, when you're listening. Do when it's time to stop, you stop. You don't carry on playing. But if you're winning, <laughs> you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's also yeah. a bad thing. Once you've won, walk away, just in case you lose everything you've won. It's, it's it's not like I'm putting my life savings on this or something. You know, it's just like. It's just some line logger, you know. Like, <laughs> next thing's like this is the main event. Kaya's at home and Dupes in prison. Let's do this. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome if that could like, like if you could actually like somehow make, like manage to figure out how to do a podcast like that. Uh, mad respect to whoever is able to do that. Um, isn't that almost like Gucci um, man was dropping albums in prison? Right. Also, wasn't that uh, one Lakers player was still playing, but he was supposed to be in prison or something? Uh, what one of the NBA games? Oh, yeah, man. the guy still the guy still got so to come. Often suspend, yeah. Yeah, but interesting stuff. But on that, um, yeah, okay. Car's too scared to put a logger on the line. That's uh, fine. I'm I'm going Hurricanes. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah, be sure we got we're gonna drop the previews for that coming. Uh, later in the week, we'll preview those matches and yeah. um, be sure to check out the Twitter feeds. Um, every match is going to be accompanied by some live tweets from either myself, Kaya, or the youngster in the group, the latest addition to this, to the Bottomless Rugby crew. He's part of our Sports Brew crew. Uh, Jason, he's going to be taking over some of those Saturday matches to keep you company. Uh, but with that, uh, let's call it a day. 
yeah thanks for joining us you can leave us a voice message or comment uh anchor has a built-in voice message fun- function so you can tell us what you think about um you know your thoughts on Sia Kulisi and uh, his influence in the world of rugby um tell us tell us a little bit more about uh, what you think about Chili Boy's doping scandal and um particularly the problem that we have here in SA uh with you know that steroids image and some of that featuring within schoolboy level um do you know of a, do you have a story that you can share you don't need to name any names but you know we would be very interested to hear some stories that you guys have out there um we also do want to send out a big shout out to all our boykies uh particularly this week Siakulisi congrats my bro um you guys keep on doing what you're doing and making rugby you know uh, an exciting sport for us fans um and then to you listeners yeah thank you for joining us this week we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast of the main event please consider following bottomless rugby on social media and podcast streaming services to stay up to date with the latest content so until next week stay away from your boys wash your hands often drink lots of water and stay safe cheers cheers guys